Asset Arrest, your global agent for accessing the property you can't afford. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Asset Arrest. I'm Laura Yule and I'm back with the viewing of another property in London, this time with the brilliant artist Avril Karun. We go to see a few properties at Ballymore's development Embassy Gardens in Nine Elms, which is situated beside the new US Embassy and is another partnership with Malaysian developer EcoWorld. The new US Embassy opened in January 2018 and cost £750 million to build. It's protected by a moat that appears as a picturesque pool, hedges containing steel bollards and huge ditches deep enough to stop trucks. According to the embassy's website, their translucent cube building was designed by architecture firm Kieran Timberley in order to depict the core democratic values of transparency, openness and equality. Before its completion, Trump voiced his disdain for the move, calling Nine Elms an off-location. The area is an ex-industrial neighbourhood in the borough of Wandsworth, is close to the city centre and overlooks the River Thames. It's packed full of new developments of apartment blocks and commercial units. Creative as ever, Ballymore have named their development Embassy Gardens. It's a near-completed complex comprising of multiple residential buildings, a hotel, a linear park, restaurants and bars, and the world's first sky pool. So far, three public artworks curated by art historian Sir Norman Rosenthal adorn the outdoor spaces around the development. These artworks are by Sarah Lucas, Mohamed Kazim Ashfaq and Simon Fujiwara. But first, let's hear a bit more about Embassy Garden's main attraction, the Sky Pool, which was announced in 2017 and after some delays is supposedly going to open in spring 2021. A 25-metre-long, transparent sky pool is about to be installed 10 storeys off the ground. In the summer of 2013, the creative teams at EcoWorld Ballymore gathered to discuss where to locate the project's outdoor swimming pool. They decided that the only space large enough was between the legacy buildings. As thinking developed, a crazy idea was introduced. The pool should not be on the ground, but suspended 10 stories high between two of the apartment buildings, crystal clear, making swimmers feel as if they are flying, offering views of the U.S. Embassy. The central section of the pool will be made of transparent acrylic. Since acrylic expands with temperature changes, and the buildings will naturally move due to wind and different foundations, the pool will be supported on bearings, allowing it to shift, expand, and contract. The London Sky Pool will be one of a kind, making swimmers feel as if they are in an aquarium floating above the city. It will make the glass-bottom pools in Vancouver, Houston, and Dubai seem like nothing. I met Avril outside a cafe near the development 
Avril works with video, performance and sculpture and explores important issues of the precarious conditions faced under neoliberalism. Her work addresses subjects such as the figure of the landlord, the poor and unlivable conditions that rented accommodation often offers and the conditions of work that staff within the undervalued service industry face. Her practice discusses and forefronts these issues with a level of humour and satire, often using her own voice and body and considering her own implicated position within these structures. She recently completed an MFA at Goldsmiths and was awarded the Acme Studio Award as well as receiving the Next Generation Award from the Irish Arts Council. She's got an upcoming two-person exhibition with Amy Steele at Pier Gallery in Hoxton that opens on February 4th as well as a solo show at Mother's Tank Station opening in the new year so make sure to look out for those. Hi Avril, thank you for coming along to Embassy Gardens to view an apartment. Uh, We are going to talk about your work but we're kind of running late so I guess we will talk about that after. How are you feeling about seeing this apartment? Can't wait from what I've seen. The sky pool just uh, makes it seem like it's forever summer up there with a cocktail bar. So I expect (laughs) that when we go upstairs, the the grey sky will turn crystal blue. Yeah, I hope we can see it. It's, I guess all the facilities are probably closed. I was got any like special questions you want to ask the estate agent? I want to ask them if, um, so I've looked at the publicity, the publicity and the kind of like placemaking that they've been doing. And I want to ask them if they have childcare facilities, like some actual uh, living facilities that people use rather than the private cinema. Yeah, um, I've been talking a lot recently to people who have bought Ballymore flats and hearing the terrible stories of things like balconies going on fire and at the moment there's another development, the Wardian, that has just flooded and people were and the elevators broke at the same time and people were trapped in the elevators. Oh and, my God. Uh, so I was thinking maybe to bring this up and be like, we're a bit concerned about the, the quality and see what she or he has to say about that. And yeah, and I'll maybe say that I've viewed some other Ballymore properties. You lived in Dublin before. Yeah, so so Ballymore probably would have gone completely bankrupt after the crash only for the uh, Irish government through um, an agency or a a policy uh, called NAMA bailed out the uh, developments by holding on to the asset for the debt that they had uh, with Irish banks. And Ballymore would have been one of the biggest Irish developers that would have been there. It has has pulled out of NAMA now, so it has recovered as such. But it's interesting, seeing this kind of spectacular uh, engineering of this amazing futuristic building that actually wouldn't have at all happened if it wasn't for the Irish taxpayers that they have any footing whatsoever. We better head to the sales suite. Before hearing what we thought, let's hear what one of the promotional videos for the final phase of Embassy Gardens has to say. The modern is the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle of Embassy Gardens. What's truly wonderful is the community of people who are already here essentially made a new piece of London, which is what we have done. And you can see that in the lives that people live right in the middle of the capital. You do feel like you're in um, the central London, but also it's like a little kind of the village of Embassy Gardens. Something that I love about this place and I've seen evolve over the months and years now is how loving and warm the staff are. We know the names of everybody that works here. Really like a big, big family. Snipping downstairs for a nice meal, it's almost like living in a resort. I think the Linear Park would be the most remarkable contribution over a generation of development in this part of London. This would be a place where you'd actually go to in order to walk. Absolutely. It is London's version of, of New York's highlight. 
London in particular, it's all about community, one particular area that their heart kind of belongs to. I think Embassy Gardens really takes a new angle on that. And you're looking through the water, you will not see the structure. You will genuinely have the experience of floating in air. When we released the original CGI's, it was a truly viral moment, and within a week, the image had been seen more than a billion times. We're just out of a very long viewing of some apartments at Embassy Garden. I think it lasted about an hour and a half. Uh, what did you think of what we saw? I mean, the views were pretty amazing, but the interior wasn't as impressive at all. Like the woods, the kind of... Um, some of them were more smaller than I had thought. I've got a little rug if you get freezing, like a little um, blanket. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah. What's this? Oh, that's your food. I thought she brought us something for free. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I thought they were the apartments were tiny. See, when you said, "Is this a short bed?" <laughs> because an, does, yeah, an ex Ballymore estate agent actually told me in one viewing of a different non Ballymore place that Ballymore got specially small beds made for their showrooms. I listened to that one on the mm. the podcast and mm. thought I was like, "Oh, this is where it is." That bed, it did it did look shorter. Do you think they have like fitted sheets that they disguise under? Yeah. Underneath. I think my feet would be like hanging over the edge of that bed. But the bedrooms were tiny. Yeah. I mean, once you've once you've got a normal sized bed in there, there's not really room for anything else. I don't. I don't. Also, don't think anything felt particularly good quality for the money. Yeah. The finishing, the wood, it just it felt like really like veneer kind of kind of thing. The, the worktop for the second apartment felt much cheaper than how she was kind of discussing it as something that is more practical and and uh, whatever stone she called of it. I was like, is this stone? It yeah, had that... like the knock, the you know, but it doesn't feel like stone. It doesn't no. have like the same kind of feeling of when you touch stone and you have like a, it felt like something plastic. that is porous that keeps in that is like a permeable yeah. uh, material. That wasn't what that was. Like, yeah. like something that's pretending to look like itself, but it's maybe only a, like a couple of isn't making 100% in the material itself might be there in a little yeah I mean I think they're made really cheaply and what did you think of all the amenities or facilities or so um, subjective into the future hmm. really like um, you know the restaurants that will happen That's, that pool was supposed to have been open in the summer and get the opening that they wanted but they, it was supposed to be already yeah what did completion. she say they only just lifted it up there yeah. Yeah. Um, it's quite hard to tell, but yeah, it looks quite small. Much. I mean, considering there's hundreds of apartments there. I nearly gave myself away by asking her, if, uh, you'll have a cheeky swim, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm really disappointed it wasn't finished, just to see that view. Like. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of like the catalogue. We have the catalogue in front of us here and it's, it's not complete. And it's so the experience of looking at the construction and trying to imagine that this is what is going to exist didn't really feel like mm. it wasn't as high as the sort of secret London website, which uh, just always is trying to make London feel like it's the most amazing place to live in in the world. I think it's probably maybe run and get by. <laughs> Yeah, gets money from Ballymore or or these developers, but they like like the hi they hyped it up so much as this this like really amazing feat of engineering, which it is, but it's not it's not that high up. I thought. Um, no, uh, they also said it was over I that over the U.S. embassy, which when I read that I was like, there is no way that is 
security yeah. US Embassy has a moat around it and as we learned the security oh, eight oh, machine gun machine gun equipped security guards patrolling Patro- the entire development 24 hours she looks so terrifying. pleased when she answered that question yeah, it's like, it's, wow. she was like well that's what we've people got want. the best machine gun did she say we have the best machine gun jeez oh, no 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 she was, <laughs> no, she was just the like the security, security is the best we have eight security guards patrolling with machine guns I mean, I thought the gym, I, all these things, I mean, they seem they seem small for the number of apartments that are there. But I guess some of the building, as she said, was shared ownership. And that they go in the back. And they can't access yeah. the facilities. Yeah, and there's a back route that they can take. Yeah, the usual was... poor door mm-hmm. scenario. Also, having bars and restaurants that are only for residents feels, I would have thought, a pretty bad business move. Like... But I guess the residents are paying for it out of their service charge, really. Mm. I mean, but they'll still be paying huge amounts for whatever the food is, surely. Yeah. I mean, she said that the service charge was like £8.60 or £8.30 or something. It's a lot. And what, yeah, what I've learned so, is, I mean, when I asked her about the increase and if there was a cap on it, you know, usually you might say like maximum 3% increase per year. But yeah, she was so cagey she couldn't give a number she said it's reviewed every year but I don't understand why and people it's only up by 30p so to put us but at 30p ease. yeah I, I need to work out what the percentage is like when the pool opens I wonder what that jump will be it'll be a huge jump having a clean pool outdoors that's heated all year round yeah I mean the residents I was speaking to said things like after the first year the service charge jumped 50% now it's like 70% more than what they were originally told and that there's no control and yeah, they're just stuck paying that if they've you know, bought a flat and no reduction if like services are actually out of service, which I think they often are. It was funny because asking that question meant that we had to be like, oh, it's been, the residents have been really kind to not ask for that because of understanding that we're trying to run business in covid that yeah yeah, yeah. So it was a really um it was a really a clever way of her to get out of that situation to talk about more of the generosity of, mm. of um of the lovely people living and there having your your security your um one-on-one um gym instructor outside yeah and they, oh my god the cyclists the one she was showing us that this gym like an outdoor spin class garlic for you no you what i would never do uh yeah outdoor spin class over in the pond that apartment with the view dogs right onto the embassy and that american flag just flying in front of your window (laughs) i can't think of a more depressing view oh my god every morning waking up yeah feeling like as soon as you see it you have got every film in your head that that you're like yeah (laughs) Um, it was it was so the flag was so prominent as the thing that you were looking at and <laughs> how psychologically that affects you <laughs> you wake up and salute the flag what did you think of the um, the humming of the air conditioning oh, yeah, I thought it I thought it was first of all like a train yeah second of all I then was like I don't know what that is but it sounds like being in a kind of horror film it was extremely <laughs> horror film and the whole like there was such a pride in talking about how the living experience and the concierge that it's like being living in a hotel. 
looked and felt like that and I you know you wouldn't want that or we were shown the gym and then we were shown this room that could be a lounge area or you could have your your mm. business no, or it's like, like a hotel lobby I don't entirely understand this shift to like hotel style living and why people want that but I presume it's something to do with like the like globalized nature of business in London and investment and people just wanting convenience when they move from city to city country to country and because she said a lot of the places that it's like it's the London uh, apartment that you have and then you um, the kind of like more people in the 60s that own places just want a London place and then they can go to the West End and so it is a hotel feeling for some of the people that own it people who want to go to the theatre but she said it as if it is a hotel like that you own you own this um, three million property and it is your hotel that you drop by every now and again like the way that yachts are used by by the same caliber yeah i can imagine it would sell better off plan than if people actually saw it i think actually seeing it it feels small it feels like poor quality yeah like the the promotional development is so dreamy looking at this this sky pool and it's like it's definitely perfect for investors that aren't actually going to view the property or people that are buying not to live to let um from Abu Dhabi or or Mm. China and are never actually going to maybe even come to see see the place themselves or won't won't yeah and the name embassy gardens is so kind of grandiose that people want to buy a bit of that I guess yeah but the whole area is just a building site but yeah, you're yeah, not, you're like, not it's selling gonna be the apartment. Like, it's going to be building works for an incredibly long time. Like we're surrounded by the amount of cranes that you can see that we're working on a ground level. And also just looking at this image of the sky pool and these rooms that are living spaces. It is a bit like it's got potential, potential perv spots galore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, what did she say that some men were asking or were saying like, oh, the guys swimming will have to have tight swim pants swim on pants, yeah. <laughs> or whatever I was thinking about I was thinking about as, as a teen as a young as a 13 year old having like a first bikini and going like whoop when you go on a slide <laughs> <laughs> just kind of a flashback there London's first sky pool I'd love to know what if there's any politicians that would buy would buy in oh she said lots of celebrities like TV people and sports sports, sports. I bet they don't live in them though no I can't believe she said oh I don't need to sell it they sell themselves <laughs> I mean that's like after the an ultimate. hour and a half bringing <laughs> yeah. us around selling the property <laughs> she really didn't take seriously when I did ask the question about um, childcare or creche facilities and I was like ready to be like we're thinking about IVF <laughs> um, or adoption but it was just like yo we've got barbers we got it was like that's tell me you've got barber, barbers and laundrettes if for the answer when I asked like is there going to be childcare facilities <laughs> really like what are, what, are, what are the what are the what are our toddlers going to do in the barber's shop you know I don't think there's many children living there no it was but it's I mean even they're, they're selling such a package of a lifestyle and it's just like you're not really um, if you're looking after all these like amenities that are that are supposed to be like essential to the kind of living here it's just it's, it's just like a really telling thing like no you wouldn't bring up uh, kids here so it's, it's you know it's not real living uh, not that that's what but it's just you know it's um the exclusionary aspect of, of it of because when i asked about age groups she said that it's early 20s to yeah she made retired. a huge families buying the apartments 
for their children. Teen- children that are going to college in London. Yeah, lucky kids. I mean, they're really obvious. I knew that it wasn't that they wouldn't have crash facilities, mm. but that's why I wanted to ask. Yeah, maybe uh, we can living, segue into talking to your work about not talking about to your work, talking to yeah. your work. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> uh, about your work, which seems to kind of address issues of precarity in terms of living, living space and labour in contrast with these luxury lifestyles or structures of wealth. Does that sound yeah, that about sounds, right? <laughs> sounds really, really accurate. Yeah, I think this sort of, it, it was really fantastic to do this viewing and to have this sort of uh, mirroring because like the last like large project that I've done in housing has, uh, has involved me being invited by participants that are, are willing and knowing that what I'm going to do to like come into their homes um, to sample mould from walls uh, which started off from my own place and then developed into a larger project. Um, was there a lot of mould where you were living then? There was a bit but most of all I had had a huge, there was huge mould problems in the flat that I lived in in Dublin and I think the kind of genesis of, of why I would even be making this work comes from, from how entrenched the housing crisis is and the like rates of, of living where in Dublin you are paying on power rents with the cost of London but without any of the facilities or the or the jobs or the lifestyle of London. It's really extortionate. Like yeah. I, I, I can I can justify myself having to pay pay rent in London more than I can in Dublin at this stage because there's no works, there's yeah. no there's no nothing. Yeah, people always ask me why why don't you move back to Glasgow? It's so much cheaper and I'm like, yeah, but there's there's no work, you know, I'd be working for minimum wage in a bar and then I still wouldn't be able to afford rent there. Yeah, I um, yeah, I was working in a burrito restaurant for three years and Is this the one that's features in a video that you have? Oh yeah, when I quit. Yes. <laughs> or maybe I've got two videos. I've yeah, you were I've, 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 used, I've used my yeah. job a few times. Yeah, that w- it didn't work out the way I wanted to because the lighter didn't Were you work. actually quitting then? Yeah, I had handed in my notice because I was going to move here to start the MFA in Gosman and yeah, I had um, a colleague uh, order a burrito. And after years of working there, I'd always, I'd always said to myself, you know, like you have your, um, your quitting fantasy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I never managed to live any of mine out because I end up getting too scared. <laughs> I mean, I got to have somebody that's filming it, so it doesn't even get to be like the hardcore, like uh, punk way, like. Yeah. Like, it was like I'm gonna record this and it'll still be a lot. It's more of a performance than. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Yeah. I, I once got fired from a job in the Optical Express call center in Glasgow. And I had, you know, I just, I was going into the disciplinary ring <laughs> and I knew they were going to fire me. And I was like getting all geared up for like <laughs> smashing a computer against the wall. <laughs> but I ended up just crying. Oh no. It was so yeah, no, embarrassing. Yeah. Because I actually, it was like five days before Christmas and I really needed the money. And oh, I just fucking cried and walked out like hail between my legs. I, yeah, this was, I was just so delighted to be leaving. But I had had the fantasy of, while rolling hundreds and hundreds of burritos over the three years of thinking about there's like a particular stage and how you're like you have to roll a burrito in this particular restaurant Mm. we have like our style of doing it 
but there's one stage where it's really close to being if you're like you're rolling up a, a roly. <laughs> and I, just, I always thought about it and I was just like, oh, this I'm like gonna, back and forth. Yeah, kind the of. kind of the the roll, you know, you get into its shape and then you like move it forward and then flip it up. Um, a little bit like uh, a different way of, of how you would do a roly. So I lit the end tab as if it was uh, a cigarette paper and then <laughs> uh, with a lighter lit the end. But it didn't go on fire. But yeah, it failed a bit. But uh, I did get to leave the job and I made them put on a party for me because it had been three years. So when I did quit, I was just, I, I then walked into my manager and said, um, Stephen, I'm handling my notice. Which he kind of <laughs> so knew was happening. Good terms. Yeah, I was just like, and also I want you to pay for a party because it's been three years. <laughs> and he was like, okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? You, you use your work quite often in your work in your work you use your work in your work in your artwork yeah and then the other like main work was where I had made cheese out of the mould that I was selecting from people's housing and so it's interesting that I was kind of getting to see the like doing this viewing was like doing the kind of opposite where there was more secrecy and it was a complete shift around getting because I've been in plenty of homes with with black mould with uh, tenants that are telling me that their landlord is telling them uh, is gaslighting them uh, this landlord that was telling one of the the um, the woman that I was with she told she like wanted me in to take it but also desperately wanted me to tell her that it was like that this is a problem and I was just like yes this is this is mould she was like my landlord keeps telling me that it's dead that it's not that it's not living mm-hmm. and that it's just on the walls but it's not actually doing stuff and, and she she just really wanted to know because it's so much it's very so much mystery to it and this her, her landlord having this kind of pseudoscience because like as if like Abby like you know there's no intelligence required for the job of landlord does mold you, even die in that way yeah, like yeah like mold is a, is living off like deathly matter it's like yeah. it, it's so living there's more, more molds that will come off of the first type of mold that you'll have it'll develop into a new mold so it's it's so it's it's have it's a living process but yeah, these uh, this landlord would would uh, would completely gaslight them and said that it wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't real and that they were and being, who, and it was at the, the head of her bed. And were these people you knew, or were you kind of putting an ad out looking for people to? It was yeah, it was a mixture of um, friends, friends, uh, people I worked with, and then yeah, also online. Um, So you were taking samples of mould from people's apartments and then you turned that mould into cheese. Yeah, I used (laughs) it as part of, um, along with a bit of a starter culture. (laughs) She'll stop for a second. (laughs) Is he just going to follow you? No. What? Is that even his dog? (laughs) Is this kidnap? What? Is this dognap? This dog is not going to jump on a motorbike, is it? <laughs> Missing out on some, some real action here in Embassy Gardens. Yeah. We've, got, we've got the entertainment. Dog. Entertainment. You know, there's such a community here, as she said. <laughs> oh. Uh, you have to get the ball, then you have to get the on the motorbike. The dog doesn't want to go home, probably because it lives in Embassy Gardens. And there's no space <laughs> to run around. go back there. There's the ghostly um, air conditioning. Okay, that's oh, not his dog. Daddy's is it? gone. Someone's left a dog here. Go find your millionaire apartment. Smell it out. They all have. Um... Oh my god! I nearly broke the tap of one of the. Oh apartments. yeah, that's the other thing. So the taps are shit. Yes. Okay. 
I tried two of the taps in two of the apartments. They've got this like horrible cross thing that is actually hard to grip. And then I turned the tap on and then it slowly started taking, uh, like spilling out water at quite a low pressure. But then I couldn't, cl I couldn't turn it off. The first one that happened as well, where it was like quite hard to turn it off. And it, wow. took, like, and it was like a really like thin stream that was coming out and then the next one where she was where she uh with the that took her a while to get that tap off yeah she was like it'll turn itself off it's just because it's not usually being turned on yeah that makes that was very sus this is the bad building that, that's yeah that's the not residents how were telling me that's not technically how plumbing works or how London water city works islands like a whole block didn't have working showers for ages and they made like you know like portaloo style showers like a few of them and all the residents had to share them um, for like a few weeks or something. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the smell of that apartment. She said, "Oh, sorry, it smells bad. The guys have to I come round and flush the toilets and blah 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 blah." I, I guess because it, it must be water that is sitting for a really long time because they're not actually. I mean, she was talking about a huge amount of sales that have happened of the, of the buildings. Yeah. That sounded okay. So if it's like, unsold, like bullshit, but the water sits and gets really stinky. Must be, or it's just uh, that would mean that the entire floor that no one's actually. That seems strange to me, but I mean, you don't come back from a holiday and your house stinks of toilet, do you? No. It, yeah, it was the smell of like dank water. I should have tried one of the kitchen taps, but yeah, I was curious when that happened. I think there's many problems that you would realised when you moved in. Um, but anyway, you then made cheeses out of this mould. Yeah, I made um, around 30 over of different sizes of cheese wheels and they were made to look like high-end luxury Niels Farm kind of... Um, all from different houses. Yes, and all named after the participant that um, invited me in to do Yeah, to, to and do I saw work. you had them with descriptions of the ingredients and was it the price of the, the rental price for a year? Yeah, the rental price of the entire property uh, that they're in for a year along with the actual ingredients and were they in the scheme of things like cheap London flats or was it a mixture of there was a mixture one the one that I um, mentioned where the landlord was gaslighting the tenant um, was the most expensive one that I viewed um, for the life of me I can't remember what it was um, but it was the most expensive and I was like really shocked and I was like are you really paying this because she's just she was just a, uh, a, a BA student was kind of, and I think there was like lots of people that were living in the house it was quite a lot and she was trying to make um, she was trying to make, make some extra cash by making like small bits of jewellery and knickknack kind of things um, and then there was the, fir the very first place I went to um, it was a couple that were living in the sitting room like those kind of sitting rooms that your, your house doesn't have a sitting room anymore because it's been turned it's a bedroom, into yeah. a bedroom and it's a mattress on the floor they haven't provided any bedding and uh, it was like it was a couple and uh, the guy Alan had to pretend like he didn't live there at all and yeah is it yeah, on the contract can't get housing mm -hmm. benefit can't access any rights really and there was mice coming through the walls they had to like put a bookshelf in front of the home mm -hmm. um, and kind of it was like a classic where the mold started from of like having poorly uh, put in telegraph te uh, telephone wires yeah which like create the extra space and are usually like have been like done really poorly I once lived in this flat in Glasgow where someone came around what do they call it when they check the boiler and stuff I can't remember someone has to come in every so often and like approve the boiler and he came around and said that it was unfit for use 
and that all the electricals in the flat we sh- were unfit for use. We shouldn't be. We essentially shouldn't be switching You're lights or anything trust. on. Yeah. Wow. And we told yeah. our landlord, and of course he did the same gaslighting thing of being like, "Oh, it's totally safe. It's, it was done by my friend who's certified." And oh, your I was friend, like, yeah. yeah. And then somehow someone from a newspaper came round and interviewed some of my flatmates about the boiler <laughs> or about like their experience living <laughs> We've there. We've heard you've had boiler problems. <laughs> and then ended up in like the Evening Standard, a picture of our boiler and this article about... <laughs> I have friends that have lived in a similar place in Deptford where uh, a fireman have had to come around and they've been like, you can't live here, this is like elite, this is not fit for purpose. And, like, and being like shocked and it was like a little bit after Grenfell being like the, the, like I think the fireman came back and it was like I can't sleep because I keep thinking about this house <laughs> and then you displayed these cheeses in fridges when, when you've shown them is yeah, that right in uh, commercial fridges so they look like high end luxury cheeses in these fridges that I kind of select because they have their other than I needed to like show a kind of commercial aspect to it of this idea of like every product is made of the suffering the suffering of others fridges have their own uh, interior light the way that a building would so I wanted yeah. to try and situate the fridges in relation to each other and also the view because this was for on Ben Pimlock mm. building of uh, Will Smith's uh, oh, yeah, MFA yeah. degree show which has a, a huge view of the city and then to try and, and with a video that is also showing yeah. different well, buildings to try and like emulate as if the fridges are also part of the building because they're so big and they have to become part of the work they're really really heavy things to get rid of when you don't want them I read about I mean I don't know exactly where they go but where do fridges go to die <laughs> there used to be this or maybe it's still there like fridge disposal place outside of Manchester that they called the fridge mile because it was like almost an entire mile of like like oh a mountain god. of old fridges oh my god i really want um, to go there but yeah it looks kind of you can find photos online it just looks insane this was actually named fridge mountain not mile and consisted of an estimated hundred thousand fridges that have now been cleared away the foam insulation containing cfcs was burnt in high temperature incinerators whilst the rest was recycled and you still have these cheeses they yep they are too. maturing at a wrap i can't afford to really put them into the humidity and keep temperature that they need so a lot of them are cracking up but there is about 10 of them in Limerick in uh, Ireland awaiting to be shown at Ormston House mm. when um, when galleries can open again um, that but might pre- be its last hurrah and you can't eat them I take it no they're definitely poisonous um, did you make them in your house then I made them in studio much to the horror of my studio mates mm. um, and the smell was really important to that that they really have their, their own stink and they do smell legitimately like cheeses yeah and um, like i know people that loved it and then the revolt comes later when the video gives away the different aspects but yeah i was aging them in our studios in deptford which was um, in a fridge yeah in another fridge that somebody was showing out and uh in different boxes mostly like boxes and a really stump because they're 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 not supposed to be cold they're supposed to have like a really high humidity like caves that's what I really want to do I want to go to Leicester Cave and look at uh, the cheddar cheese caves that we've got in England really excites me (laughs) (laughs) and how yeah they're really sweaty and horrible but our studios were beside a creek which was really oh it stinks that creek doesn't it it's it's not just that it's the flies oh yeah so I've I've had some tragedies happen to some cheeses when I was in those studios we had huge mouse problems Yes. And I was yeah, working with food at the time too. and they were, I mean, they were chewing through the plastic of like unopened bags of porridge, oats and... Yeah. They yeah, were yeah. eating people's canvases. They were going... Yeah, they're... Like to get rid of their... Yeah. Um, there was a mouse infestation. 
mice actually don't like cheese despite what we've been told from Tom and Jerry yeah, yeah. no they like things like chocolate, chocolate and peanut butter yeah. don't they yeah sweet but it was the flies that was the real issue because I had to drain it and you have to drain it outside and salt it and it's a, like a long process where it's outside it was like sitting in, a, in mm. an environment that was a studio and so there's nothing more hideous I really got to grips with the monsters I was creating once you can see miniature maggots crawl out that are the same oh colour as what you've made it was there's not meant to be maggots in there is there no I mean, it's like, not that French cheese <laughs> okay I was like does all cheese start with maggots <laughs> no just like a fly would land lay eggs has it put you off eating off. cheese I won't eat cheese on the days that I'm using it or like I, I don't know I don't have I don't don't eat a wealth of fancy cheeses no i love cheese i don't i was thinking about um, like a money spinner or like a christmas uh presents would be if i started making cheese but i don't think i have no trust level or nobody has a trust level with me (laughs) making cheese is really difficult and so having a degree show where you like have like such passion and belief and like struggling for your art but i wouldn't do that struggle just for me to have my own cheese i did think about it like that'd be a nice treat to have to celebrate but no too much work it's really and and like i got to be a bit lazy as in like i didn't have to really um get too frightened about like the temperature change in the cheese or whether it was like um, if it was salted correctly because it was never going to be eaten i guess like showing or positioning this kind of work in the art world feels quite difficult sometimes because i mean you're, you're you know you're talking about like wealth and inequality and the precarity of not having money obviously but also I guess that's the kind of life a lot of artists end up leading yeah I I once um I showed the work in Dublin I made some cheeses specifically from Dublin which was important because of the housing crisis which uh Ballymore developers have a Mm. have a way in on and it was in like a really great gallery by a great curator Sheena Barrett of the lab but there was um tentative issues between the lab not the lab and I, but the lab in Dublin City Council because it's a Dublin City Council building uh, and run by run by Dublin City Council. And they the councillors brought up uh, some like made some aggro and wanted to know whether I had got sourced any of my moulds from council flats in Dublin. Oh, and, and they would have tried to censor the cheese if that was the case. They were really fri- They were they were angry about the work being shown and the possibility that it would um, be critiquing them on the inside of the of the gallery that they they fund mm. and it, it just so happens that i didn't have any uh, mold from from can- council flat but like that was just a coincidence that that's not who like approached me i didn't yeah i, I don't i wouldn't ever go up to properties and try and like target yeah like i don't do a hard sell when i was asking for people it was like more like getting the word out there in my network and extending it and people sharing it on and the use of twitter i got a lot of people from dublin off twitter it's kind of like people that w- that wanted to do it is because they really like the project or they're really curious yeah, yeah. did they come and see the cheeses yeah <laughs> i got to introduce uh, some tenants their cheeses that was really nice <laughs> they were so proud oh. they were, yeah they were, they were really really proud <laughs> The ones in Dublin were, yeah. <laughs> they should have photographed it and sent it to their landlord. Yeah, I was. So I was wondering what I've never really made a sculpture works before, and I was just like, oh, now I have to mine this stuff. Um, and so there was an idea that maybe I would send some of the cheeses to the um, to the real estate agents afterwards um, as gifts. 
It was that if they were for sale, that they would be for the same price of the property. Of the, like the rent for a year. Yeah, or a month. I mean, I don't. I haven't <laughs> yeah. told it. No, I'll, anything. Four hundred and fifty pound. Deadly. I make. And apart from that formal shit, do you think moving to London has affected your practice in other ways? I mean, as a practice that is investigating precarity and also wealth inequity, where you've got London. You really see that in London, where you go to one borough to the next borough, and at one point you're you're a def- you're around properties that are worth millions, and people that are worth millions, mm. and then on the other side you're in where, where I've lived in Albert Road or Peckham. Yeah, there's a lot of inspiration if you are critiquing capitalism and you live mm. in London, and so that's good. And I think that I like develop ideas quicker, and and it's fun. It doesn't. I still do like quite a mix. Or the one thing that I've gotten to do this year that was in February before before COVID was I was in uh, I did a performance in Luna Lane which is a exhibition base that is a bedroom in Wiles Rent in a friends of mine live in a kind of converted warehouse space and Paul who lives in that room empties out the bottom to have as a gallery and then he lives upstairs in in the mezzanine I did a work there where I had a green light and I stuck up about a hundred black socks onto the ceiling so that they look like that and then he kindly let me sew out a circle in his mezzanine ceiling so that for a performance I, I'm blindfolded and I stick my head out and I'm a bat and it's a performance where I'm trying to uh, recruit the audience to join a uh, anti-eviction back coven and talks about a uh, kind of speculative future design of uh, South East London and around that particular area and uh, where in order for survival people have evolved to becoming bats and to avoid predators by roaming at night time but also it's to evoke wildlife protection acts so that if there is a rare bat bat roost in the property that it can't be torn down that's an actual thing yes so i quoted actual legislation which is uh, there has to be uh, bat bats that are rare or it's no, just, rare that the bats just, are there just, just, <laughs> just, uh, just bats so you, developers like try and like offset that by building bat um, boxes in habitats where they might be there before if you like around Stratford there's bat boxes and there's a so there are bats living in houses well, they can do so. They can. They roost like the, they roost according to their gender. So all the female uh, bats will like roost together and look after each other's um, babies together in a kind of little commune. But they can go into attics and different different areas that they can seek in. Like they're really really small in 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 London. I can't remember the name of it, but it's um, like smaller than my palm. But yeah, you can halt a development by mm. evoking. Oh, there's bats that live here. The idea was that we were all turning into bats to try and desperately avoid. So you could uh, potentially recruit some bats and put them in your house. Yeah, try to invite <laughs> coax bats to come live, and that it would be yeah, it would be like a, a, a co-living uh, a, a co-living arrangement. <laughs> it's quite a sad extreme to have to go to to not get evicted. <laughs> do, do you think you'll stay in London? I think I'll stay here for the next year, but I feel pretty um, like I would just move where the work is. Like I'd love to move back to Dublin if the opportunity were there or if, if I could not have to work in a restaurant in Dublin mm. to make money I would 
like I work in a gal like two different galleries now part time and those are jobs that I don't detest even though I do detest I detest labour but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those jobs don't exist now you can't get an invigilation job and you can't work as a duty manager in, mm. in, in galleries in Ireland at all they're either like filled positions they never open up or they're voluntary led and I'm sure after I'm sure the ones that were paid they'll only have like one person that might be there it's not and there's so many redundancies now. Yeah, there's that. There's really not enough work in that area, and I do enjoy like getting to do it in London. I mostly get to read and do my own research while I'm while you're working protecting some. Yeah, but, but what are you, what are you working on at the moment? At the moment, one of the things I've been doing during lockdown is I have been uh, making a exact uh, one-to-one replica of a 9/11/1967 Porsche out of cardboard, and I've bought a fitted dust sheet that goes over it so that it will look like I own a sports car. Uh, that's to be shown in Pier Gallery which has floor to ceiling windows so that the gallery might on the first glance seem a little bit like a car estate agent even though it's got the dust cover on it. Um, and then at the back of the car will be the cover has a registration window so that you can see the registration for tax. I'm going to have a television fitted to the back which will have a car registration language. So these really, really, you can buy incredibly expensive custom registration to say something that you might and they can sometimes be really macho and they're really like, like wealth signifiers. And so I'm trying to make a some sort of poem or something that is going to use that language. Mm. Not sure what yet. And do you think you would show these this car outside? Yeah, in, in the a, summertime, in a location I would, yeah, where... in a parking spot. I think yeah. I would like to do that. Um, maybe in near Hyde Park or somewhere where. Yeah, I wonder if it would get towed. Would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd like the, the prank to continue in some way. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you very much for speaking to me about your work and Thanks doing that lovely property. This is great. Would you buy the property if you had the money? No, no, no. And no, yeah, no one else should. We've checked it out. It's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> so another Ballymore development and more apartments that feel small and cheaply made but come with hefty price tags. It's obvious that these developments are sold based on what's outside the actual apartments, the facilities, the community, the lifestyle and the views. And from my conversations with people who have bought these apartments to live in, the facilities are something that often end up out of service or not happening, with service charges increasing hugely despite this, and service charges being completely unregulated or restricted by any contractual agreement. Whether the sky pool will open in 2021 begs to be seen. But if it does open, we can look forward to marvelling at the sight of high net worth individuals swimming or flying over their heads whilst scantily clad. Ravi Govindia, the leader of Wandsworth Council, proclaimed the area a magnet for investment, thanks largely to the US Embassy. The area was even nicknamed Dubai on Thames. Boris Johnson further described the regeneration of Nine Elms as the greatest transformational story in the world's greatest city. As usual, the target of building 50% affordable homes materialised as only 17%. But if you want to live somewhere where security guards armed with machine guns patrol the site, then this might just be for you. Next time, I'll be continuing my Ballymore tour with two different developments in East London. Until then, thanks for listening and don't forget to check out Avril's brilliant work. You can find the link in the podcast description. Asset Arrest, your global agent for accessing the property you can't afford.